0: If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.
1: Hi everyone, Sophia Bush here. Welcome to Work in Progress, where I talk to people who inspire me about how they got to where they are and where they think they're still going. Hello, hello, Whip Smarties. Today's guest is Kelly Levesque. I am so excited that she is here as so many of us are trying to get into better relationship with our bodies and our health. Kelly has been a person who has really inspired me. She's a holistic nutritionist, a wellness expert, a health coach, and a best-selling author, Casual. I was so excited to talk to her on the pod about how she got into this, the scientific approach that she takes, as she studies the latest research, evaluates competing theories, and really dives deep before she ever gives advice. We're going to talk about everything from fad diets to mindful eating and the connection between what you eat and your brain. And now she has a new book coming out. It's called Body Love Every Day. Choose your life-changing 21-day path to food freedom. I hope you'll learn a lot from this episode. I know I did. So I'd love to sort of rewind a bit and start at the beginning. I became aware of you just in the world because I, I think especially for women, and I know men really struggle with body and health also, and they have this other wholly terrible set of expectations put on them. And I don't want to minimize that. But I also know how much more layered those expectations are for women um, yeah. when it comes also to like beauty and hair and fashion and makeup and shoes and all. Yeah. There's just like so many things. And I feel like I see so many people doing so much bad for women on social and like bad diets and weird fads and strange teas and everything is like just saying <laughs> awful things to us. Yeah. And then along came you in my sort of sphere of consciousness talking about health and talking about the body and talking about the way sugar works in the body and the way that our bodies break things down and the the fats that they need and the enzymes that are important to our digestion and the way that our brains work and I was like this person is a scientist. <laughs> like you're actually having valuable conversations with us about how to be in our bodies, how to take care of our bodies, how to recreate a new relationship with our bodies. And what inspires me about it is everyone, from my observation, it seems that you work with, comes to like their own body better rather than want someone else's body The people who know you or who read your book or who follow your teaching that we are so sorely lacking in this world because nobody teaches us about our bodies or about food or anything. Everyone who follows your stuff comes to a greater acceptance with their body. And I would just love that for us. I know I would love it for myself. And... I think that it's a conversation we have to include. And, and I think we have to stop having that conversation either in this like wellness and fashion and, and eating plan and, you know, makeup influencer world. And then over here, we're supposed to have this like intellectual political (laughs) activist, like, wait, but you can't be, you can't be an activist or an influencer if your body's falling apart. Yeah. And, and I think that, for me, I just was really excited about the thought of making sure we had this conversation in this space, also. It's, I mean.
0: So thanks for coming. Yeah. And, <laughs> I'm so happy to be here and I'm so happy to share my knowledge and hopefully help whoever's listening get rid of some of the food anxiety and accept their body a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, you can deep dive the science and you can start to follow people that are really scientific about food, but they'll tell you one way is right and one way is wrong. And I think it really needs to be a holistic approach of like, this is the biology. This is what we do know about the body and what it needs. Mm -hmm. And how do you like to eat and kind of pairing all of that together so Mm -hmm. that you own it, that's your lifestyle and not someone else's. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I – I try to em- empower my clients to do is yeah. just that have that light structure so that they can choose what they're eating with a little bit of science in the background mm-hmm. and then they can feel positive about those choices. Because I think it's it, it just continues that positive self-talk and that's where they end up loving their body a little bit more instead mm-hmm. of like, I shouldn't have ordered that. I'm a bad person. I can't stick to my diet mm-hmm. or I shouldn't have eaten that. And then they beat themselves up and they rebound to something drastic like some type of tea or cleanse <laughs> that you know, 50% of the time they don't even complete and then they feel worse about themselves. And then all of a sudden we're not confident and we're obsessed with our diet instead of thinking about how we can make change in the world.
1: Mm -hmm. So how did this all start? Were Were you this tiny version of yourself? Were you really curious about science and the way things worked? Were you taking things apart?
0: I was. And even, you know, like way back when my mom found me actually Talking about taking things apart. I was taking apart a toaster at seven years old, like with a screwdriver. So I think I've always been really interested in the way things work. Mm-hmm. I loved health in high school. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Orange County and then went to SC with you. Mm-hmm. And my <laughs> I was I was a business finance major. And then in my senior year was taking all my science courses major of human health and disease and biology and chemistry, and call my dad in tears said, I should be pre-med. What am I doing? This is horrible. (laughs) And he's like, well, how can you pair, you know, like no offense, but I'm not going to pay for another year of USC, which I was so, so grateful that my parents were able to support me through that. But, you know, I was basically being cut off. Mm -hmm. So I decided to get a concentration in nature of human health and disease. And I paired that with, with my finance degree and I started a career in cancer and genetics. Mm. So I spent eight years working for medical companies. So teaching doctors about new technology that w- was available to them in their field. So I won't bore you with the minutia, but basically in the end of that career, I was teaching doctors about the Netherlands Cancer Institute and they were mapping the genome of solid state breast cancer tumors. So what that was able to do is you could tell an oncologist, a doctor that gives chemotherapy to breast cancer patients, which chemotherapy agent was going to work on their patient based on their genetics. Wow. So in the past, they used to take a bunch of chemotherapy and just throw the whole kitchen sink at a patient, and it was really toxic Mm
1: -hmm. and,
0: you know, loss of hair and, you know, osteoporosis and all kinds of Mm -hmm. things come from that, unfortunately. The side effects are horrible. And so this was a new technology that allowed us to really target a tumor and hopefully obliterate it and save their life, which was super cool. Is that widespread now? Yeah. Yeah. It's personalized medicine and everything's like – all of that is coming down the pipe. But I think the future of of cancer is actually immunotherapy. There's some really amazing work coming out of Duke. And what is happening there is you're getting – you're getting your own immune system to fight the cancer to target the cancer as it being like not not actually your cells but rogue cells wow so yeah that's that's i'm really excited about that i think that that is really promising mm-hmm. i mean people with stage 4 disease are are when it's working for them you know show no sign of disease after a year wow yeah and they don't have those crazy side effects I mean, you have side effects, but it's not the same. So, and is something like that becoming available
1: across the country, or is that in research stages? I, I just want research to be clear with
0: and okay. um, research, and there are some specific, I think, like education-based hospitals that have programs that you can join. So, oh, wow, it's really amazing.
1: That's huge. It's so business medicine, medical technology.
0: I was reading studies every day yeah. and then I just found myself reading health studies. I've always loved health and nutrition. I definitely was the girl who my friends would ask questions about how to lose weight or clear their skin.
1: So did the did the sort of medical world and all of this cancer study and, and immunology, did that backtrack you into nutrition or was nutrition always in your sort of sphere?
0: Yeah, no, I read all the diet books in high school and college, okay. I got. So did you always watch what you eat and as shape. a kid? Well, no. My family was like a Costco family. It was like bagel bites, taquitos. Oh God, taquitos! Yeah, like <laughs> I mean, I yeah, no, I know the sad American diet, California yeah. cuisine. Do you remember I was those normal. little
1: French bread pizzas you used to get oh, yeah. in the microwave? Those, those pepperonis were,
0: were perfectly
1: circular. <laughs> those things were <laughs> and, and still small. are my favorite. I'm not allowed to have them in the house. Yeah, I just
0: can't. I mean, that's the thing. We're talking about highly palatable food that yeah. no one has an off button for.
1: Yeah, no, I don't. If if there are 3 in the freezer, I'll eat 3 and just go
0: oops. Yeah, no. And that's where <laughs> and that's where it's like, you know, if someone was a recovering alcoholic, they yeah. wouldn't go meet you for a coffee in a bar. Like, why are we putting why are we expecting that we're not going to eat those things if they're around us all the time and we're supposed yeah. to have some crazy willpower. When we have all these childhood memories of like jumping out, you know, in the pool, popping out and having one of those pizzas or like one yeah. of, you know, like you have these memories that connect to food. And I mm-hmm. think accepting that and saying like, oh yeah, that might be my kryptonite and I I'm never not going to have that. Mm-hmm. But let's not like torture myself with it and then beat myself up for not having some sort of ridiculous self-control.
1: Well, right. Because the self-control is an expectation we put on ourselves too. Like this idea that you should have the thing that triggers you in front of you and not touch it. It's like, what? We didn't evolve that way. Like a lion doesn't sit in front of a gazelle and go, but I'm
0: not going to eat it. Yeah, (laughs) It's not how it works. No. No. Hunger
1: is very primal.
0: It is. Cravings
1: are very primal.
0: It is. And I really work with clients to understand that. Like mm-hmm. you have over eight hunger hormones in your body constantly yelling at you to eat, you know, and each of those are regulated or are down-regulated by different things. Like the mm-hmm. physical stretching of your stomach calms a hunger hormone called ghrelin. So when people are just like, I'll just have a juice, I'm like, that's not going to weight your stomach and actually make you feel full. you got to eat the veggies that are full of fiber that kind of like get in there and push their elbows out so that your stomach actually triggers to your brain like, we're good, you know? And fat and protein do that as well. There's so many amazing ways to feel full and calm. And then, yeah, if there's a gazelle sitting in front of you or if your gazelle is a brownie and you actually feel biologically full, better chance that you're not going to go for it.
1: Right. And I think it's less about saying, you know, don't eat the brownie, don't eat the fattening food, but it's like, don't eat food that's poison, Yes. That's been a big thing for me to get my head around because when somebody says, especially as a woman and especially as a woman in entertainment, like, Mm. oh, people will say to me all the time, like, wow, you're a girl who eats. And it becomes this thing where I'm like, fuck, yeah, I do. Watch me. (laughs) And it's like this challenge. It's this thing of like, I own my body. I control my body. And then I'm like, I just ate a whole pizza to prove a point and I feel like I'm going to die. Like, I'm so <laughs> sick. What was the purpose of that? Yeah. To prove you know, them wrong, Sophia. Like, but like I'm the one you're, like,
0: you're poisoning injured. yourself. Yeah. yeah.
1: And you know, when we look at like what processed foods do to us and how bad sugar is for our body and that it's as addictive as cocaine and it causes all this horrible, all these horrible side effects to our physical health and like our insides are deteriorating because of the chemicals we're eating. It's like, maybe I shouldn't eat that just to prove that I can. What? Yeah. So yeah, it's been there's certainly been a, a readjustment for me and I've tr- been trying to think more about what I deserve to eat. Mm. Like I deserve to eat food that's good for me. Yeah. I'm a nice person. I should feed myself nicely. Like why I would never feed uh, my kid or my best friend's kid food that would make them sick, why would I do that to myself? Yeah. But that's a that's not a mentality I think many of us are raised with.
0: No. And I think there was a lack of education for mm-hmm. our parents around mm-hmm. like what was healthy and, you know, the homemade food and the traditional food. It's like everything is retro. Uh, retro. It like all comes yeah. back. Like all the style is coming back. We have all our mom jeans now, our old school Levi's. Oh God. Seriously. Like the end of low rise. Please don't ever do that. Never like, <laughs> come back. <laughs> yeah. Die and never return. <laughs> but the traditional way of eating and like, you know, all of this homemade food is finally coming back and I'm Mm -hmm. so thankful for that. But what fast used to be was like a sign of wealth, you know? And Mm -hmm. like you've made it. You can buy a pizza that's already prepared. You just put it in your oven for 10 minutes, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was – just the food industry itself just completely deteriorated because it was trying to make mass quantities at really, you know, cheap prices. And when you do that, you get cheap food. Mm -hmm. There are no shortcuts when it comes to – any of this stuff. Like regenerative farming, I think, is one of the coolest concepts out there. And regenerative farming is not only that you're like that you are sourcing animals if you eat like red meat or pork or chicken, you're sourcing animals that graze on a land that I'm gonna that defecate on that land, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm I mean you say the word defecate. Mm-hmm. That they, they poop on the on the ground, it increases the nutrition of that soil. The mm-hmm. plants that grow on that soil grow deeper mm-hmm. and they suck more carbon out of the air. So those type of farms are mm-hmm. actually carbon neutral or can be actually pulling more heat, for, you know, more carbon from the air into the ground which increases the nutrition of our food. And it's mm-hmm. like yeah, industrial farms or even cornfields and all of these. It's just breaking down our environment when the traditional way of growing our food and taking care of our animals really kept the health of our ecosystem. Mm-hmm. It was so much
1: more cyclical.
0: It was – it's beautiful, you know, mm-hmm. and you have – I think it's white oak pastures. They did a case study on it and it's like they're sucking more carbon out of the air into the ground and they're And the like biodiversity of, of all of like the bugs, like probiotic bugs, right? The the soil almost has like a microbiome it's all these bugs that grow in there and that increases the health of our soil too. And so the diversity of that is, it's just, it's just really cool. So I always just try to educate my clients to source from good places. And when you're talking about feeding your, you know, your kid or your best friend's kid, the, the best food that you can feed them. It's like understanding and knowing that that there are companies that stand for that, like Thrive Markets. Mm-hmm. Their beef program is 100% regenerative, and they do wow. frozen boxes of like beef, chicken, poultry, and they're amazing. Wow. And those own those that whole company is working to be a zero waste company. A lot of people don't know that, you know. That's so cool. So there are resources for us, and and as long as we keep asking for them, they'll mm-hmm. they'll come.
1: Where do you point people to look? because I think so many people want to know, but, but don't. And, you know, we, we have this assumption to your point, like, and I'm sure our parents did that if something's in the market, it's been approved by someone, but that's just not the case. Yeah, Like there are chemicals in our food and chemicals in our, in our body products, personal care products that have never been evaluated that are carcinogenic, that are dangerous. So, for us to kind of have the awakening you're talking about and say I have to source my meat differently or my produce differently, like where are some places you recommend people go to do that or and or online or physical book resources for them to start researching.
0: Yeah. So let's start with those chemicals cuz they're, you know, endocrine disruptors. They're called obesogens. They're chemicals that can cause the release of insulin in our body when we're not eating sugar and they the babies being born their umbilical cords have like sometimes six times as much chemicals as our bodies. So like, you know, there are mm-hmm. things, there are scary things like that, that are where these chemicals are you're right they're not regulated the way that they should be so a couple a book i would read is sicker fatter poorer it's a pediatric researcher who is Amazing uh, Leonardo Trezonde is how you pronounce his name he's awesome and he's done a lot of research in this space and a couple things that he talks about cutting out are BPA and BPB right so that's in the lining of your cans and canned goods so when you can get tetrapacked goods it's a way better option so if you buy canned what beans, does
1: tetra-packed mean
0: Tetra is those little boxes. So it looks like an almond Mm. milk box, but you can get beans in those little boxes at Whole Foods. Uh So there's one swap you can do right away. And then like if you're doing like salmon or tuna, you can get the pouches instead. Then you can talk about like – plastics, right? As as much as we can, we should be pulling plastic out of our life and using stainless steel or glass. Mm-hmm. And then the personal care products. I always say that the best one of the best things you can do is download two apps, Think Dirty and EWG Healthy mm-hmm. Living, and mm-hmm. you can scan those. They both have the ability to scan the barcode on your products and understand what endocrine disruptors, carcin known carcinogens are in your products. Mm-hmm. So, and when in doubt, like avocado oil as a moisturizer and the more simple that we can and and like really clean we can go the better better. yeah yeah
1: i i went on a real spree through my house with think dirty and was like oh my god and you know i don't want to increase waste so i was like i have to finish what i have and then order all new things yeah and what i will say i really like about that app and like p.s this is obviously not an ad we're just talking about it um, <laughs> but what I could be, cause I'm a huge fan. One of the things but I like, think dirty
0: would like to donate. If, if you would to- like
1: to <laughs> come onto the podcast, we'll take you. Um, they do this cool thing where they suggest alternatives for your products. So if you're using something, they'll, they'll give you like four to 10 alternatives you can use instead that all meet the proper safety rating, which I love because yeah. that helps us learn how to consume differently. Mm-hmm. and consume in a more aware way yeah because sometimes we're not aware of these systems we're participating in
0: no I know it's and once you I, I think always it's just like once you once you know better do better mm-hmm. right and and that's what I just try to help my clients do too. It's the same. It's like, okay, let's, let's tackle, let's Marie Kondo this. Let's tackle your cleaning supplies. Then let's tackle your beauty, you know, all Mm -hmm. of your beauty and self-care stuff. And then let's talk about how are you going to be just a little bit more prepared at home instead of like Mm -hmm. running out and grabbing proteins from wherever. Mm -hmm. Can you, sign up for something where it's actually probably going to save your family money in the long run, but mm-hmm. you're going to throw some frozen protein in your freezer. Maybe you're going to use some frozen vegetables like frozen spinach or kale. Like those are great. And if you're sauteing them or throwing them in a smoothie, that is, you know, that's a great option as well to Do buy you saute organic.
1: greens after they've been frozen? Sometimes, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh. I mean,
0: yeah. I put all my frozen
1: greens in my smoothies.
0: Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Either way. But it's like that's – Frozen produce is a great way to buy organic without those chemicals or pesticides mm-hmm. at a more affordable price and all the nutrition is locked in, you know. It's, and sometimes certain fruits and vegetables increase over time, which is sort of weird in a chemical Reaction that I don't quite understand, but Whoa. it's like it, it's been seen in berries that, like, when they're frozen, that can, they can actually have an increase in their nutrient levels. Nature
1: so, knows things. Yeah, you're like. What? I wonder if there's some weird thing where, you know, if it, like historically if winters were coming early or something, and mm-hmm. and things were freezing, nature made some incredible deal that kept us alive. Like I'm now gonna have to look it up up, and give it to you. Yeah, if you were able to like dig up berries, you'd you'd get you'd be like nutrients. Yeah. You know, in in those long, long winters. Okay, so obviously you're brilliant.
0: No. You
1: you did all this research and you read all those books in that era where you know we were in high school and a lot of those things I think were terrible for us. But also so much medical research, so much so much cancer research and a career in genetics how how did you end up stepping away from that? Because I imagine that was a really rewarding space to be. And, and how did you take all that knowledge with all your curiosity about food and nutrition and health and create a new career path?
0: <laughs> yeah. So it was a side hustle at first. I was running around the, the Brentwood golf course with one of my girlfriends. We were just like out for a run. She's like, you know what, Kelly? You really have to stop. You have to stop talking about health at parties and with our friends. And like you need to make this a career. And so that night I went home and I signed up for a cl- my first class. So I owe it to my best friend, Angela, who went wow. to SE2. Um, and it's sort of just you make those one that one decision, that one right turn, that one left turn. Mm-hmm. And then it's almost like it catches momentum. So I went back to school for a year in uh, 2012 to 2013 mm-hmm. and side hustled Be Well by Kelly until September of 2015. So three solid years. I went from – I'd be at Cedar sinai in with the oncology center there. I'd go across the street to a coffee bean, throw take off my scrubs, throw on like a little blazer and sit with a client at lunch to talk about their health. Wow. So I was, you know, making recipes and shooting them on the weekends. I was seeing clients in the morning, at lunch, at night, whenever I could. Like my first client was a bride. Misha, and you can see her transformation on my website. But it really was—I mean, today she is like still the same, like glowing, vibrant person. And we worked together at 5:30 AM because she was a like a big time a, a big time director at Mattel at the time, so she had a crazy job. And I would meet her, and we would work out, and then I would measure her, and I would we talk about her food for the week, and I did that every week for like six or eight weeks, and it's really rewarding because she's so confident with food now Mm -hmm. and she knows the science and she knows how to source for her family. And, you know, I just like, you just see that confidence come through. So Mm -hmm. it was those moments where I had those, I want to say transformations, but it's not physical. It's, it's, it is, but it's not. It's like it, it's self-perpetuating because they love the way that they feel Mm -hmm. and, the science. It's making decisions from from knowledge instead of like, I can't have this or I can't have that. Mm. So I started to see it. And then in September of 2015, I, I put my notice in with my cancer and genetics company and sort of had a meltdown and was like, oh, wow. I went from a 401k, a company car, <laughs> like security to I'm now an hourly employee. And my husband had left being an attorney to be a writer. And so he was a starving artist and I was supporting both of us and paying his law school loans. So it was heavy, but... Whoa. I, Yeah. I, at that time I had done... I had had Be Well by Kelly for three years. So I had enough confidence in knowing that my phone was going to ring,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but it still was scary. So I had to find a way to, to really reach more people.
1: And how do you learn... Because that... I mean, you're, what you're talking about is a startup. Yeah. And... How do you learn practical things like how to manage finances, how to start a website, how to like – where do those resources come from? Because I think so many people out there are curious about starting a business or giving it a try and nobody knows where to start.
0: Yeah. I would say the first thing I did was I grabbed my URL, bewellbykelly.com, mm-hmm. and I grabbed my Instagram handle and my Twitter handle on my Facebook page. Yeah. And I asked my friends, like I was really curious from with my entrepreneurial friends, and I think if you have a business idea, there is nothing wrong with a side hustle, and it is okay to dip your toe in and say like I'm gonna do this on the side, and I'm gonna see if it can grow because I say i tell tell people this all the time, but I jumped off a curb instead of a cliff in twenty fifteen mm-hmm. because I had those three years of of understanding my business mm-hmm. and at first, like I built a custom WordPress website that wasn't and I got an email from um, who, what, where that said, oh, we really like this article you wrote for my domain and this food article, but it's not showing up well on mobile. So we're just going to hyperlink it to your Instagram instead. And I was like, what are you talking about? Went to my site on mobile and it just was like a train wreck. So I went home that weekend. I built a Squarespace by myself and the Squarespace my website right now is a Squarespace I built over a weekend. Amazing. So you don't have to it doesn't have to be custom. You will make mistakes. And there are so many resources out there. Like I love Squarespace. I love Wix. Like there's so many easy places to do a website. Mm-hmm. Zero and QuickBooks. I mean that – I've basically asked my cousin, but those are little apps that you can send invoices. You can receive money. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be legit without putting a, a lot of financial, you know, investment into it. And then really it's about like I'm in the service industry, so it was really about giving away service. Like my first half a dozen clients I worked with for free. And I'm like 5:30 a.m. working for free with Misha. You're like, I really w- you have to know you want to do something to have your alarm go off before 5 a.m. Yeah. So and, and work for free. Yeah. Yeah. And but, you know, but you that's that's how you get your stripes and that's how you you really You're never really going to know if you want to do something until you do it and you decide you don't hate it. Yeah. Like there have been times people want to do something as their career or whatever, and they get into the day-to-day and they realize it's not what they want to do. Yeah. So.
1: And then when you launched into doing this full-time, did that also – I would imagine that leaving the company – and getting into your wellness space full time meant that you had the space that used to be for the company for even more research and even more clients. Because you do take such a scientific approach to nutrition, which is why it excites me and it makes me want to learn more about nutrition and stop eating things that aren't good for me to prove a point. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think it's really refreshing. And so how, how did the new balance work when this was the full-time gig.
0: Well, every day is different as an entrepreneur. Like mm-hmm. I had more time, exactly what you said, to research, to put more content out there, to share more, to yeah. see more clients. And that was so, so exciting. And then there was days when I'd wake up and I'd be like, was this the wrong decision? This is so scary. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was, it's my passion and it's my purpose because what I saw was the more that I shared, the, m- the more DMs I got about, you know, from women saying – Hey, like just that explanation in your last caption, I you know, I'm using that tip, and I've used it for the last couple of weeks, and I feel so much calmer and I'm mm. not coming home and binging on my kids' snacks at three pm. And I don't know, you're a magician, how did that work? But it really mm. is about I'm about my clients understanding how to balance their blood sugar, mm-hmm. eat for satiety. Feed their microbiome. It's about adding to your life, not subtracting, not an eat, a do not eat list, right? So I'm constantly preaching that way on my Instagram and when I write for other you know, blogs like mm-hmm. Well and Good or the Chalkboard Mag because I want the information to be out there so that people don't feel so stressed out about a headline that says coconut oil is going to kill them or yes. that <laughs> bacon causes cancer. You know, because if you grew up eating that way or – and there's a lot of misinformation. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really about being a trusted source and an education source for people.
1: What have you found recently? Like what are some of the most interesting
0: studies that you're reading that – would excite all the science nerds like us. Yeah. Well, I like to think of everything like a tool, mm-hmm. right? And there's a lot of really good research in intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. And so what I like to talk to my clients a little bit about is like, what benefits can someone see from intermittent fasting? And,
1: and in case there's people listening who don't know what that is, can you give us a quick overview?
0: Sure. It means that you're intermittently not eating. So mm-hmm. there are different ways to do it. And there are a number of programs that have are you know, popular on the internet, whether you're only eating in a six-hour window or you're only eating 500 calories two days a week or, mm. yeah, for the most part it means that you're shrinking your eating window. So with clients, you might see on the internet someone say, oh, you shouldn't have your first meal until 12 or 1 or 2 and then you should stop eating by 8 p.m. So there's a six-hour window. What that fasting period do, does for you is it allows you know blood sugar to come down it allows insulin the hormone the storage hormone to be cleared from your bloodstream and so your body is able to quote unquote cleanse your body is constantly cleansing every cell is detoxifying every day and that break is just really good for us we sleep better and your body is able to dip into your own stores of energy instead of eating, you know, using what you're eating. And so what we see is for women, for example, if you do, if you do an intermittent fast and then you wake up and you work out, you're having a surge of human growth hormone and testosterone that we don't normally have that holds on to lean muscle mass and you know revs our metabolism. So mm-hmm. that's a benefit. Where where so I like So you're to,
1: saying, can I just yeah. get for, like, for example, so let's imagine that on a – you said two days a week. So let's imagine that like on a Monday and a Thursday, someone says, those are my intermittent fasting days. Mm-hmm. And so on a Monday and a Thursday, they don't eat until 1 p.m. And they finish eating by 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. I know it's a little longer, but let's just say for starters. Mm-hmm. So then on Tuesday, y- you get this hormone benefit if you wake up Tuesday morning and work out, yeah. even if Tuesday, Wednesday are regular days of eating. Yes.
0: So it's really cool. It is really cool. And the thing that I like to do when, when I sit down with a client, is, it's really understand them as a person because mm-hmm. a lot of people can't wait until one PM to eat. And yeah, I
1: don't think I could go that long.
0: And the research is showing if you <laughs> if you wait until one and I, there are people that do intermittent fasting and then they blow not say blow it, but they just they go for a high sugar or high carbohydrate Mm -hmm. type of a meal, we're actually showing inflammation markers go way higher and blood sugar Mm -hmm. goes way higher than if they would have just eaten normally throughout the day. So I really, when it comes to intermittent fasting for me and my clients, I really like them to start earlier. So maybe Mm -hmm. their first meal is at 10 Mm a.m. and they eat, you know, between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. and they're having dinner like at my grandma's time, you know. But what they're doing is they're digesting, their, they're eating in the daylight hours, which is way better because what we're finding too is that every cell has a circadian rhythm. And so, when you, for example, when you eat the same amount of calories later at night, mm. you have a higher propensity to store those calories as fat. Wow. So we we need to be – God, I love a late night snack. That's bad news for me. Yeah. <laughs> we need to be eating in the daylight hours. Mm-hmm. and we like so, The way we evolved, you mean? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Again, let's go back to the way our ancestors ate and traditional ways of, of making food and eating food. So I always say if you want to intermittent fast, let's intermittent fast, but let's do it between 10 and 4 instead of mm-hmm. 1 and 8 because we're lowering the chances that you're going to – reach for something you didn't want to eat because you tried – you're white-knuckling it until that time. Mm. Let's let's eat and finish dinner earlier so we're digesting our meal and we're allowing for that, Mm. you know, the regular blood sugar curve to calm itself before we go to sleep. You're going to get way better sleep if you're not digesting your food because when you're digesting food, you're redirecting blood flow to, you know, your stomach and your intestines to digest your food. And we need that blood flow to cleanse our brain. The lymphatic mm-hmm. system sends blood to cleanse your brain while you sleep. While you sleep. Mm-hmm. So, waking up and feeling like you're ready to go and neurons are firing, that's important, especially mm-hmm. when we have big work to do.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting.
0: So, I love intermittent fasting as a tool. I like to personally use it between 10 and 4. And I have my eating hours between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. And I'll do it occasionally. Let's say that I had a wedding or a night out with friends and we went a little bit late. I might use that as a tool the next day instead of saying, oh, I'm so mad at myself. I shouldn't have had the Rice Krispie Treats at that party or I shouldn't, you know. Mm. No, that's a waste of your time. That's already in the rearview mirror. You know, look, living in the future gives you anxiety. Living in the past makes you depressed. You got to be in the present. What can you do right now? And what little tweaks can you make to really steer your ship? Because when we feel You're never going to be perfectly balanced, but when people make these really drastic turns in one way or the other, like I'm going to cleanse, I'm going to binge, that's going to make you, you know, that curve is way more aggressive. It's going to make you feel very unbalanced. Mm -hmm. You just have to know that it's like a pendulum ball. You're going to float a little bit off the midline and you just use these little tools to kind of redirect your ship.
1: And and that that's okay. Like totally, it's okay if you go to a wedding and you eat and drink all night.
0: Yeah. That's okay. But those memories (laughs) and that life, like that's another thing that's really interesting is understanding how stress really is affecting inflammation markers in our body. Mm -hmm. You know, that's another piece of research that's coming out right now. And it's, you know, showing that stress has an effect on inflammatory markers on blood Mm -hmm. tests. Wow. So, you know, your thoughts really affect your biology. Mm -hmm. So. It might be better just to have the dessert and a drink at the wedding instead of stressing the week before you go that you're going to blow it and Mm -hmm. the week after that you are mad at yourself about it. Like that's causing more harm.
1: So if somebody wanted to start doing intermittent fasting and say 10 to 4 felt extreme, Mm -hmm. would you say like, okay, try to give yourself 10 to 5? Ten to five, ten to six. I 10 mean, to six. Great. Yeah, that's an eight-hour window. And would you tell people to like try just one day a week to start it out and see how they feel? Because that I've heard for some people, that's all they need. Like yeah. one day a week of intermittent fasting changes people's lives.
0: Yes, absolutely. That's. I think you start every habit mm. and every health like addition that you make. You know, like you're adding all these tools. You you add them one at a time, and you mm-hmm. that's. That's how you find out. You add them one at a time and you add them slowly because you need to know if they work for you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you don't
1: add like six new habits. You're like,
0: I'm going to wake up. I'm going to, you know, drink 20 ounces of water at first thing every day. And then I'm not going to drink coffee. I'm going to work out mm-hmm. and I'm done eating at four. And it's like, that's going to fall apart. Yeah. Let's pick something that, and let's get good at it and let's make it a habit mm-hmm. and then watch it become a foundation in your life. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you turn around And you've added these things slowly, you know, in six months, you feel like a way healthier version of yourself Mm -hmm. than if you keep starting and stopping these really aggressive. Cleanses or diets or fads, right?
1: And what do you think that is? Because there are so many fad diets and, and people claiming that they've got the quote perfect weight loss solution or body fix or whatever. And we do need to be science based. We do need to rein it in a little bit because the, all that fad stuff feels crazy and it feels dangerous.
0: Yeah, you know, a lot of the fads are coming out of like a research study here or there, and people are just clinging to that and selling you on that. And Mm -hmm. there always is a little bit of science behind some of it. Like if you look at South Beach and Atkins and like low carb and, you know, high protein or whatever, they're looking at the biology, but what what they're not thinking about is the quality,
1: Mm -hmm. right? They're like,
0: oh, yeah, you want to go keto? Have a brick of cream cheese. You'll lose all your weight and feel great. But there need it, we Yikes. all want to you know it's like a quick fix. Everything yeah. is always a quick fix, and nothing, nothing worth anything, is happens quick. Right. Like, and all, by the way, if you lose the weight quick, it, it comes back quick because you haven't really built those habits into your life. Right. You just got really excited about it, and honestly, that's some of the hardest things I deal with is when a client has the ability you know has the hormonal support of the metabolism or whatever their their genetics when they do clean it up and they lose weight really quickly
1: mm.
0: well that's the that's a problem it's great for them in the moment but it's a problem for the long run because mm-hmm. what i deal with is them going well i know i can lose it quickly so i'm just going to go out and you know eat whatever i want and not be not treat my body like a temple for the next 6 weeks it's summer let's party and then we do it all over again. yeah. And that's really frustrating because it's frustrating for them, it's frustrating for me because I know that it's still causing inflammation Mm -hmm. and and harm to their body. Mm -hmm. So I'd much rather have sustainable habits and have it take a little bit longer Mm. because I know we're building foundation for wellness.
1: Yeah. And that's something I think, I mean, even just hearing you talk, I'm like, yes, that's what I want to start learning how to create for myself because we have all this information but no knowledge. You know, so I think there's so many of us out there who who don't have the breadth of knowledge that you do, who feel like we've heard everything but we don't know what's true for us. Right. And that's really tricky and you and you wake up one day and you go like my body has changed and everything feels out of whack and I don't know why. Mm. So, I like the practical advice of try to start intermittent fasting one day a week and see what happens. Like that's a huge Thing because it feels doable, yeah. You know, and and then you have the other thing that feels like a really doable starting point. Um, we were referencing smoothies, which when I'm home and being good, I'm like, I'm gonna make a Kelly smoothie. Mm-hmm. It's like literally the thing I think to myself in the morning. And I was about to say, but I need to follow it up with the rest of the plan. I'm like, maybe I should just be happy with the smoothie and start with doing one thing.
0: You redefine good. Right. Like, because y- you really have to know, like, mm-hmm. you go on a work trip or you're in Chicago or in New York or wherever mm-hmm. you are in the world mm-hmm. and you come home, it's, it's like sleep training my son, Sebastian. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, Bash. Like we go on a we go stay in a hotel, we have to come home, and we have to teach them how to sleep again, yeah, it's like there are things that are going to disrupt your health habits, mm-hmm. and that's I think one of the hardest things is when someone has you know a job that needs them to be in a different state and then they're flying or they're traveling and they're coming back and they're trying to create some type of normalcy. Mm -hmm. So you need to have a trigger for Mm -hmm. that. And whether that is, you know, before you leave for your trip, you put out all your smoothie stuff on your counter, you know, except the perishable things and you just know, okay, well, the first day back, all I want to do is I want to have a smoothie the first day I get back. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing how just – or going to that one workout or scheduling it before you go, it's like, if you just don't miss that first trigger, you know, you, you set the trigger and you don't miss the first commitment, right? it can perpetuate itself.
1: Yeah, you can get back into it more yeah. quickly. That's cool. So what what is the whole science behind your Fab Four? Because that's what you tell people to put <laughs> in a smoothie. And can you tell everyone how that works?
0: Yeah, not the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so for me, I created the Fab Four really – for a number of reasons. But I wanted to know, what does my body need? On a biological level, what do I need? Mm -hmm. Well, you need essential amino acids. That's from protein. Mm -hmm. You need essential fatty acids from fat. Mm -hmm. So those are like your omega-3, 6-9. And then you need fiber and you need phytochemicals or antioxidants, right? And so what I call the Fab Four is protein, fat, fiber, and greens. And that covers what your body biologically needs. So when it comes to fiber, that's your gut microbiome. It's trillions of cells, bacteria cells that live in your gut, on your skin, everywhere in your body. Mm -hmm. And they're fed by – they basically eat the fiber that you eat, soluble fiber, and they multiply and they protect you from the outside world. So that to me, even though, you know, someone might say fiber isn't essential – I think it's essential when you think about being healthy, it all starts in the gut, Mm -hmm. right? Your gut microbiome really protects you from the outside world. If you eat something and it goes in your mouth, in your stomach, in your intestines, that bacterial lining is like a shag rug protecting this very delicate wood floor that is your intestines. It's one cell thick. So it's like we are an ecosystem and we need to continue to feed it. And then Mm -hmm. when it comes to the greens piece, I'm looking for you to increase phytochemicals on your plate because things like NRF2 or genetic pathways that are activated by antioxidants. So a good example would be sulforaphane. Sulforaphane is a phytochemical inside of cruciferous vegetables. And sulforaphane is something that when it comes in contact with our cells, we release anti-inflammatory enzymes, anti-cancer enzymes, and these phytochemicals don't last in our body. So you can't just like have broccoli on Monday and, and think that you're having the benefits on Friday. On Friday <laughs> you need it's your body needs consistency. So right. So bo-
1: and when you say cause you referenced broccoli is a cruciferous vegetable for, yeah. for anyone who may not have heard that word before. Yeah. Or who might be like a what a huh? Yeah. What what else falls into that category? Cruciferous
0: vegetables. Yeah. So um, broccoli, cauliflower. Brussels sprouts, kale, if those are too fibrous for you and you're like, oh, that makes me sort of bloated and I don't feel great, arugula is a cruciferous vegetable. Mm-hmm. So you can have a salad. But but what happens is we absorb these phytochemicals and it's like sending your cells to the gym. They come up, they punch the cell, the cell's like, ah, and then it releases these enzymes that, you know, fight our anti-cancer, our anti-inflammatory. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you're really sending yourselves to the gym and you need to do this all the time because our body is trying always to get rid of phytochemicals and get, and not retain them. And they only work for a certain amount of time. So I always say consistency is best. So yes, I want you eating greens or something deep in color at every single meal. And Mm -hmm. all this is, is it's about saying, what do I need? Mm -hmm. Well, you need protein. You need those amino acids. They, they build, Every every cell in your body, you need the mm-hmm. fatty acids. That helps you absorb nutrients from your food. It is really really good at making you feel satisfied. Fat, and then the fiber and greens piece is really about gut health and mm-hmm. cell, cellular health. There was a fad, you
1: know, a few decades ago that started attacking fat, and everything was like fat free this and mm-hmm. fat free that, and fat is good for us. Like our brains need fat. <laughs> your brains are work. mostly fat. Right. So can we get into explaining the difference between good fat and bad fat and maybe make people less afraid of it?
0: Yes, absolutely. So so fat is what helps our body absorb fat-soluble vitamins. So Mm -hmm. you need fat. So a lot of people are vitamin D deficient. Well, if you're not eating fat, you're not going to be absorbing absorbing vitamin D from your foods. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by fat-soluble is – There are certain things that your body will not absorb from your food without fat. So antioxidants, a lot of them are fat-soluble. And also all your fat-soluble vitamins, D, E, A, and K. Mm. So we need all of those as well for just our regular health. Mm. And then when it comes to feeling full and feeling calm, fat actually – Um, releases satiety hormones like cholecystokinane. If we're not eating fat, we're not releasing those satiety hormones that make us feel full. Fat also slows the absorption and digestion of our food. So it elongates our blood sugar curve. Mm. So we're not spiking as high and crashing as hard. You want that
1: subtle wave.
0: I want the wave. I'm always looking for the wave. So fat became the enemy because people said, you eat a bunch of fat, it's going to make you fat. And the thing is, is your body can burn fat. And we know that because – it obviously, not obviously, you might not know this, but fat can be burned in the form of a ketone. So ketosis is a really popular, nutritional ketosis is a popular diet or keto, Mm. right? Where your body burns fat for fuel. So fat isn't the only thing that can make you fat. And fat is a phenomenal source of nutrition. Mm -hmm. So you need it to absorb your nutrients. I think what people need to understand is there are healthy forms. Healthy forms of fat include nuts and seeds, mm-hmm. right? You're getting a bunch of antioxidants and vitamin E from those. You A healthy form of fat is omega-3 in salmon. This is anti-inflammatory fat that your body needs to fight inflammation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And inflammation is the root of all disease. So if you're not having enough omega-3 from the food that you're eating or supplementation, you're, you're going to be in an inflamed state. So it's really about, for me, how how can we be better and how can we add to our plate? So it is, you know, it is about adding those healthy fats. Olives, phenomenal source of fat. My Coconut, favorite. amazing, right? I could eat a jar of olives in a sitting if I let myself. That's so yummy. You should. They're so good. Yeah. Phenomenal yeah, I can't for brain stop. health.
1: Oh, good. Maybe that's why I like them so much. And And to your point, there are different kinds, like – our body processes a french fry very different than our body processes tofu or even just a regular potato. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, there are does?
0: there are industrial s- seed oils, so safflower, sunflower, corn, cottonseed. You're going to see these on the sides of your hummuses. They're going to be the oils that like f- fried foods are made of and they replace trans fats. Unfortunately, when you think about like I don't know, like safflower oil or canola oil, rape, which is rapeseed oil. How are we getting the oils out of these nuts and, or these seeds that you can't actually press? So you have to think about that. Like I always like to tell my clients if you could squeeze an olive and get olive oil, that's a healthy fat. You squeeze coconut meat and get some, you know, coconut oil, that's a healthy fat. But these really small, seeds, they use chemicals to extract those. So a lot of times it's a hexane Mm. chemical process to remove those fats. And not only does that degrade the fat, but those fats are are oxidized omega-6. And omega-6, when you think about the omegas 3, 6, and 9, you're like, oh, those are essential fatty acids for my body. They keep me healthy. But omega-6 in excess in the form of an oxidized form of it is really inflammatory in your body. Huh. So, omega 6 that you would have we, that you would normally eat from an almond in its whole state form is protected those the that omega 6, it's a fat that can go rancid, right? They tell you shouldn't leave your nuts in a cabinet for you know, in a clear container for too long because they they go bad. So we keep our nuts in the freezer. How the, long do or the they fridge.
1: last in the in the pantry? I'm asking for a friend. Yeah, like
0: <laughs> I think three months at max. Okay. So I always Good to tell know. people if you buy bulk, put them in your freezer or put them in your refrigerator. They'll wow. last longer if they're ground How long in the
1: fridge or freezer.
0: You could get six months in the fridge. Wow. To maybe even a year. But you're keeping those fats from oxidizing. and oxidation happens with air and with heat. Got it. So and and with light. So anytime that you can have anything any like delicate oils in a cool, dark, Sealed place that's the best. Mm. Like your olive oil should be a dark bottle, it should you should always screw the lid on tight and you should put it in like the darker, cooler part of your kitchen, not Mm. where a window is coming through you know, sunlight's coming through a window and heating that oil up. Mm. But the omega 6 in like a whole food, Mm -hmm. like a nut or a seed, in their whole form, in the whole form, you have. Vitamin E that protects that, and antioxidants, and all of all of those work together to not allow that to oxidize. It's, it's if it's ground or it's an oil form, it's going to oxidize a lot faster. So mm. if you have flax meal, keep that in your fridge or ground your flax fresh. Mm. So it isn't that omega six is bad for you. You need it; it's essential. But it's you want it in a non. It, you don't want it oxidized, and right. so all of these. Oils that replace trans fats are pretty oxidized on the shelf. And that's bad for us. It creates inflammation. So I think when you can, if you're looking at the side of a hummus container or a dip, like any of the pre-made dips and things like, or any potato chips, for example, you want to look for avocado oil or mm. so, like I think Siete is a great brand, Jackson's Honest. There are there are ways where isn't about never having that ever again. It's about choosing a healthier choice. Right.
1: Finding a brand that doesn't have one of those bad oils in it. Exactly. Like I avoid canola oil now. Yeah. Great. I just can't have it. It's not good for me. It makes me feel horrible. Yeah. And I just have to, I had to make that change. But yeah, that's really interesting to look for other oils in things like hummus or chips or whatever they are they Yeah. They're,
0: they're using them and everything. And even these like mm. really healthy brands of popcorn or this or that. You just really have to be careful.
1: And when we think about how so often I feel like when we eat something that doesn't feel good to us, it's because immediately like our tummies feel bad. We get bloated. And that all has to do with, you referenced the gut, the microbiome. Mm -hmm. We're talking about this more and more, but I still feel like it's sort of this mystery land for so many people because again, we just haven't been nutritionally educated. Mm -hmm. So what do we need to know about our gut? and the bacteria that live there.
0: Yeah. Well, they're amazing and when your gut bacteria, your probiotic bacteria basically breaks down the fiber that you eat, mm-hmm. it, that creates short-chain fatty acids like butyrate. And these are anti-inflammatory, energy-producing chemicals. Butyrate is gasoline for your, epith- you know, the epithelial cells or the 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 cells of our colon and it's great for the brain. So you want to constantly be eating fiber to feed these guys. Everyone has a small amount of yeast or candida in their gut too. You have to think about yourself like an ecosystem. There's good and there's mm-hmm. bad and it's like how are they working together and who's dominant. So specifically, you want you want to be taking probiotics. You want to be eating fiber-rich foods and you want st- to Try your best to avoid eating a bunch of processed sugary foods that might overfeed yeast and candida.
1: Mm. So like a bag of gummy bears in a sitting is a
0: bad idea. It just – it's just going to – It shouldn't be a regular habit. It shouldn't be a regular habit. Mm -hmm, But you mm -hmm. know what – Also asking for a friend. (laughs) You know what research is also showing us though is that your body constantly wants to maintain a healthy microbiome Mm -hmm. and – If you pull back on the sugar and you work to reintroduce fiber-rich foods and vegetables and you just think about, and that's like honestly, that's why I like the Fab Fork, because I'm like, okay, don't worry about the gummy bears. How are you getting some protein, fat, and fiber at your next meal?
1: And so if you make that smoothie every morning, you're guaranteeing that at least one meal a day is the right thing for your body your microbiome, your enzyme production, all, all of these things that we're talking about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's a really – like there's ways that you can increase it. Like I, I I sometimes use the tool of acacia fiber. Acacia fiber is a soluble fiber. It's a powder. And sometimes I'll have my clients add, you know, one to two tablespoons of that to their smoothie as an add. But mm-hmm. people get really excited about these fads and they go gung-ho. They're like, oh, I'm going to put acacia fiber in my water at every single meal. And then all of a sudden – it's like miracle grow in their gut and they're super bloated. It's like, no, it's it you have to go slow and you have to be methodical about it because otherwise you're just overgrowing bacteria in your in your gut and you don't want to do that. You just want to you just wanna feed what lives there and try to feed it healthy whole foods. Mm. The way that nature intended is that the sugars and starches of our food. Come in a cellular form. So when you talk about. Having what does that
1: mean, a cellular form?
0: So for example, I'll use the example of orange juice mm. or apple juice. Apple juice is a good example. So you have a whole apple and then you have apple juice. So apple juice is a cellular because it's out of its fiber cell. Mm. Apple is a cellular, you know, sugar or carbohydrate. And what's so cool about that is when you eat an apple, you have to digest through that fiber to release the sugar. So the process happens slower. So Mm -hmm. again, that's supporting, you know, more smooth blood sugar curve. And it's also preventing you from spiking, crashing, feeling like horrible, you know, fast bloating. And you can start to enjoy like nature's candy or Mm -hmm. those starches, by eating them in a cellular form. Mm. So that's a way that I might work with a client and say, I want you to elevate. I don't want you to say, like, I'm never having a carb ever again or I'm never – you know, like, that's yeah. that's just unrealistic. I would rather you say, okay, well, I'm going to swap my avocado toast and I'm going to use sweet potato, like, roasted sweet potato instead. like Instead of bread. Instead of bread. And then you then you
1: put the avocado and
0: everything them. on it. Yeah, like, just, mm. you know, you're doing Sunday brunch instead of, like, your – piece of bread or your English muffin, can you slice sweet potato to a half an inch thick, roast those sweet potatoes and stack them up on those?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Something like that That's where it's, it's supporting your body. And if you cook those potatoes and you allow them to cool and you reheat them, you're actually increasing the amount of resistant starch in those potatoes. So less of that ends up in your bloodstream and wow. more of it feeds your gut microbiome.
1: Oh my God.
0: Yeah. So, so, that,
1: a, so a cool and a reheat on a roasted sweet potato.
0: Anytime you cook and cool a potato or rice, you're, it, a chemical process happens in there where it's in it's creating a starch that isn't absorbable by our body. And you can, let's say you roasted sweet potatoes on a Sunday for the week and you put them in your fridge and they cooled and then you reheated it on Monday and then you reheated it again on, you know, Wednesday. Anytime you cook, he, reheat and cool, you, you, that process happens again. Wow. increasing that starch increasing that and resistant starch feeds your gut microbiome but it doesn't end up in your bloodstream
1: that's amazing so, it's super so that's cool. probably a really good i don't i do not pretend to be a doctor so correct me if i'm wrong but i would imagine that's a really good tip for people who are pre diabetic or diabetic
0: absolutely like you want to enjoy a little bit of sweet potato you know you really have to think about the portion obviously mm-hmm. but yeah i mean that's a that's a great way to do it
1: Wow, that's cool. So that that feels like we're getting into the territory of talking about mindful eating, like ways mm-hmm. to be conscious of what we're eating, how we're eating it, and how we treat the things we're putting in our body mm-hmm. because essentially that's how we treat our body.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So what do you where do you tell people to start? Because I think mindful eating again feels like kind of a mystical term yeah. to a lot of folks who don't know where to. If we didn't begin. grow up
0: doing it. Yeah, yeah. If it wasn't part of your family and everyone, I mean, I remember coming home from soccer practice and just mowing a plate of food and not oh, yeah. thinking about it. And I think I probably did the same. I did the same thing probably last week. You know, so I, for me, I like to put in tools that are a little bit automated so that we don't have that moment where we make a wrong choice because we Mm. aren't being mindful and then we feel bad about ourselves. So there's two ways to approach it. Like, yes, if you can wrap your head around taking a minute to think about what you want and what your body needs and treating your body right, you can make a healthier choice. There is no question about that. And so – but for some people, when given the opportunity to think about it, Mm. they end up making the wrong choice because they just want something sweet or they vacillate between like, oh, I'm going to get the healthy thing. Oh, forget it. I'll start tomorrow. And they end up picking, you know, something wrong. So I do like a little bit of automation, I would say. Like if – or habit. Like, yeah, have the smoothie. That sets the tone for the day. And then because your blood sugar is balanced, because your hunger hormones are regulated, you feel like you can make a more conscious choice around lunch. Mm -hmm. The problem becomes when – We're going, 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 and we just grab for something. And then all of a sudden, we already ate it and we already feel, and now we're feeling bad about it. And we decide that we're going to start at a future date instead of at our next meal. Mm -hmm. So I will say, when I work with clients, it's all about the next meal. And when you say, I'm going to start tomorrow, I like to explain that let's say you had a donut for breakfast, your blood sugar spikes, it's starting to come down, you're crashing, you're not feeling great. What's going to make you feel the best is probably to have some more you know, sugar-producing foods to, to bring yourself back up. And you're going to want that. But what you can do to regulate and to feel better immediately after that is to eat something with protein in it. And so I will teach people and educate them to really look for protein after they have something like that to re-regulate so that mm-hmm. they aren't in a place where they're cyclically making those choices to spike and crash and spike and crash and spike and crash.
1: That's really interesting. So yeah, instead of writing off the whole day, it's actually you can re-empower yourself to say, next meal, I got it.
0: Yeah. And it's really, it's a bad habit that a lot of us have mm. coming from this bad dieting culture where the middle of the weekend's there and you're like, oh, I'll just start on Monday. You yeah. know, we've grown up doing that because diets were so prevalent. Yeah. It's, it's really so sad. And it strikes
1: me that saying I've got it at the next meal is the, is it's a positive self-strengthening statement. It's a statement about I can do this. I can make a difference for myself. And I'll start tomorrow is basically saying I'm too weak to do this today. So you're putting yourself in this feedback loop of I don't have the power to take care of myself and that's a really horrible place to be.
0: Yeah, so one of the tools that I have some of my clients do is is look at the places where they order food from and when they're in a really positive place and they're mm. very present and they are thinking about how nice of a person they are and how they should treat their body nicely, I'll say let's pull up all the menus of your favorite places. And if you were feeding your best friend's child or the person you love the most, what would you order for yourself here? Mm. And how would you nourish your body? And now I want you to take that and I want you to write that down in your own Word document. I want you to create the like you know, your family takeout to go pick up sort of menu. And then when you have those moments where you you maybe made a choice that didn't make you feel good, I want you to think about that next meal and I want you to go to your menu and I want you to pick something. Mm. And what ends up happening too is a lot of times people can outsource that. Like – How many times have you, you know, had a friend say, like, I'm going to grab you something. Like, what do you want? Mm. And you're put on the spot and you have to make a decision really quickly and then you second guess the decision. Mm -hmm. These are things that I have my, like, big CEOs and VPs use because their assistants don't ask them anymore what they want for lunch. I go, where are we ordering, you know, or where would you like me to order from? And then they go to their list and they go to their menu and they automate it for them because after a week or two of eating that way that's what they want to eat that's yeah. what they crave it's getting over that hump of it's work to make myself eat this way mm-hmm. once you're eating that way and you feel so good it's no longer work so we just need to get you over the hump of it becoming something you love to do for yourself right and sometimes we need to outsource and get a little help doing it
1: yeah eat make have a buddy eat with friends create a sort of system because it isn't about punishing ourselves. It's about being nicer to ourselves, which Absolutely. I think is a really interesting flip to the typical script. And I think that's the difference between what you do being so science-based. It's like, oh, this is so good for you versus the world of diets, which are withhold, 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 you're weak, you're weak, you're weak. Yeah. And it's like, who wants to spend any time there? I just think it's like the absolute worst thing. Why do you think so many people have such a complicated relationship with food. Do you think it's culture? Do you think we feel it generationally because of all those weird 80s fads?
0: Like I think if there's what happened it was there was no knowledge around food and then all of a sudden diet books came out and they tell you you're a sick bag of toxins. Who's going to be fat? For, you're going to be fat forever unless you eat this way. And they start they start demonizing specific foods, mm. and so then when we eat those foods, we feel shame, mm. and that that's a horrible feeling. <sighs> and also, those foods that we eat that we feel shameful about, it's yeah. like we've educated ourselves to know that like these certain things, maybe it's industrial seed oils or whatever. Like there are times when. I hold back some education around industrial seed oils or ca- certain things because I don't want to give my clients a complex around what they shouldn't be eating. Mm-hmm. I really want the focus to be about what you what you want to put on your fl- plate to feel good. Mm-hmm. But it's just that's what it, that that's where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. It's like knowing that something might not be good for us and then feeling so shameful about it, mm-hmm. but still wanting to eat it. And it's like, of course you're going to want to eat it. It's a highly palatable food that has reactions in your brain and it's super delicious. It's it's super delicious. Of course we want to eat that. And by the way, you should never have to not eat pizza, but Mm -hmm. like how can we source or make it home or do something different to have those flavors pop in our mouth without feeling bad about it? Because we can. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times those healthier alternatives, when you've had them a couple of times, they hit the spot in, in the same way.
1: Totally. Well, and I think to your point, what you're talking about is not based on the idea of taking away. It's based on the idea of adding better. Yeah. And if you start adding better, then what you want next changes. And that feels kind of revolutionary as far as food is concerned because I do think shame plays such a big part in it. I think that embarrassment plays a big part in it. I think, I think that those are the things that lead to, and I'll start tomorrow. Cause like I was in an all start tomorrow phase for years where I was like, oh, I know this food is really bad for me and is inflammatory. And that's bad because I have asthma and that makes my asthma worse and my allergies worse. And sometimes my allergies go away when I don't eat it, but I'd be like, but it, w- it was in the thing I ate this morning. So I'll start tomorrow. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, okay, in this moment I'm going, oh, I could say to myself, I'll I'll do that in my next meal
0: because
1: mm-hmm. I can do that. I actually can do that.
0: Yeah. Well, and there, that, that goes back to that riding your ship. Like yeah. that you don't need to veer left for three meals in a row yeah. or three days in a row. You can veer yeah. left for one meal and veer right back.
1: Yeah. Where does that stuff come in for you? Because as we talk about shame and expectation and perfection – you know you are a you are a wellness expert you are a scientist mm-hmm. you are you are to so many people out there an instagram perfect person uh-huh. you know you're a beautiful woman you have beautiful skin you mm-hmm. have like this very cool healthy life and i think there's a lot of people who might say well i don't think i could do that and where do you find yourself as the actual human, who is Kelly, within the world. Because I I think that so many people like us who live versions of public lives, whether we like it or not, there is this expectation that, you know, or this view that in 2D everything looks perfect and people forget that we're three-dimensional people with like our own sets of problems and fears and uh, issues around things. So how does that all kind of balance for you?
0: Well, I think it's really important that people know that I am a normal human and I, you know, I don't – I really do want to show the times when I'm not, quote unquote, being what they think I'm being, like this perfect wellness mm-hmm. person because it's just not realistic. Yeah. I really, you know, I grew up eating, like I said, like the bagel bites and the ketos and like I know what those things taste like. I know what ice cream tastes like. It's delicious, like pizza, you know, and I'm going to eat it. And, mm-hmm. but there is, it's weird. It's almost like the more people that start to follow me, the more stress and anxiety I have about the way that I eat. And I'm like, no, I have to constantly check myself. I mean, the other night we have an eight month old son, you know, mm-hmm. let's be realistic. Like I'm cooking 50 to 75% of our meals, but I need some help. Like mm-hmm. I have a, I have a company that delivers a couple of meals to me a week here in LA. They're they source great proteins and they are they have great veggies. I need help. I have gotten – I get takeout weekly, you mm-hmm. know. I just try to make a healthier choice. Like we have Burger Lounge here in LA, which is a grass-fed burger and pasture-raised cheese, which is awesome. But the other day, like I went into Burger Lounge and someone's like, oh my gosh, are you Be Well by Kelly? You know, and the girl – and I'm ordering myself and my husband's meal. And my my husband is Chris and his Instagram is Be Bad by Chris. <laughs> and so I'm like, he'll have, you know, the onions and French fries like 50-50 and the fried chicken sandwich. And then he also gets a lettuce wrap burger on top of that. And so the guy is 6'4". He can eat like – so much food. And all of a sudden this girl's like, Are you be well by Kelly? And I'm like, and I'll uh and in my brain I'm going like, oh my God, she thinks I'm eating this. Like this is so and I had this total moment where I wanted to turn around and be like, I'm ordering this for him and like I'm getting the lettuce wrap burger. But that's so sad that I felt the need to yeah. have to like if I wanted onion rings and fries and I'm making the choice to get it at a Burger Lounge, like that should be okay. Yeah. Well it is okay. That's what I mean. But yeah. like there's you grow and you become not that you become this personality, but
1: mm.
0: it's just I want people to know who I really am, which is really realistic. Like yeah. when I was pregnant, I craved cottage cheese like it was going out of style. And for six or seven years, I barely ate dairy. Like I'd have a little cheese plate here, but I was not adding. I wasn't drinking milk and adding cheese to every burger and putting cheese on my salads. And that wasn't part of my life. Like I really wasn't eating it. And then I wanted one every single day for like six weeks of my pregnancy. Yeah. And I talked about that on like a blog post, you know, Mm -hmm. but it just needs to be okay to find the healthy alternative, the healthy, you know, versions of whatever it is that you want.
1: Totally. And I think it's really healthy to also say, You might be in a phase or something might be going on with your body or you might be pregnant or you might be whatever deficient in this hormone and craving this thing. And that's okay. Yeah. Like, let's just make sure we take care of you in the moment and then get you to a place where you always feel like you can come back to the healthiest thing. And for me, it's like, I think about it. I think that probably the healthiest I ever was in my eating, I was training like, super aggressively with a stunt team to do stunts on this movie. And so their whole thing was like, you're going to train like one of the boys and six days a week you're ours and then Sunday you get a cheat day. And I was like, excuse me, sir, I am a young lady who goes out on the weekends and that is impractical. And so my like, my bartering with my training team was Saturday night is mine and Sunday brunch is mine and I'll give you all the rest. And I was like, so technically that's two cheat meals instead of three on cheat day. So you're winning and I'm winning too. And it was like, and you know, I wasn't like, reducing calories or or starving myself or doing any of those things i was actually eating so much more cuz i was working out so intensely but i was just on a really really healthy plan like super protein and veggie heavy and then saturday nights i was like give me all the pasta give me all the cocktails yeah. and sunday morning was like give me like the like <laughs> Hair beautiful the dog. like i need the oh, yeah. i need i need like a full mexican brunch i want a burrito i want the tacos and And I never felt bad for a single thing I ever ate. And I was like, oh, right, because I just had a little bit of a better balance. And even that, I wouldn't be that extreme now. I don't have to be. I'm not like trying to, you know, run after moving vehicles um, in my everyday life. But I think about it and it's like what I like about what you say is go to the wedding, eat the thing, have the dessert, drink the drink, but also have a way back because it's about balance in our body. Mm. Like you can't fill your body with sugar and canola oil all the time and be healthy. But you do not going to be
0: happy either. Yeah, you'll feel
1: terrible, but you don't need to be so obsessed with your health that you never have a fizzy drink or the burger you want or whatever. And And so I like the science-based approach to balance in the way that you talk about it because it makes the whole thing feel less... Stressful, and it feels more it feels more like a science project. And like I love a science project. yeah,
0: well, I think it also light structure allows people to be consistent. yeah, so I'm not saying you have to have four ounces of chicken and two cups of veggies, and then at your next meal, I want, Three ounces or four ounces of steak, and you know, no, to, like, like who can do like that? measuring, weighing, like, calorie what counting, like none of that matters. The light structure of like, okay, do I have protein on my plate? Where's my healthy source of fat? Mm. Am I getting fiber and greens? Like, if if I look at my plate and it's like just a piece of protein. Can you look at the menu and say like, Hey, can I get the side of broccoli or can I get the starter salad? Like it is about nourishing and adding. Mm -hmm. And it becomes something that like when you make that decision, you feel good about yourself. You're like, you pat yourself on the back when you leave that meal or when Mm -hmm. you finish that meal. And then that gets you excited about your next meal. Mm -hmm. And then you have this consistency throughout the week. So when you want your Mexican brunch, you're like, I actually don't feel bad about doing this because I've been consistent. And consistency makes us feel balanced and it makes us feel calm. And that's the beauty of it is like, yes, heck yes, like have that Mexican brunch. And by the way, don't get up and feel bad about it. Right.
1: I love that. Why do you think and, – and I wonder if your opinions on this changed, you know, even more now as a mom. I mean, I know your baby's not in school yet. He's eight months old. But why do you think we don't teach nutrition in school and and shouldn't that be Gosh. to us
0: from a young age? yes. My Mm -hmm. first health class was in high school, just like it was my science class as a freshman or sophomore. And I mean, even even doctors, MDs, with fourteen years of school have a man like their mandatory hours are twenty three mandatory hours in nutrition. That's it. That's it. That's it. They don't doctors. They don't get nutrition. Mm -mm. But you think about it, there is like it's there's so much that they need to learn to keep people alive and the way that our system works is so backwards because what's becoming priority for them to learn is like how do these devices work how do these pharmaceuticals work like how do these how do these things work to save lives not not starting from the root cause and so yeah it's crazy
1: my it, mind is blown right now i mean there are so many issues that people are prescribed prescription drugs for that can be fixed with nutrition mm-hmm. And we're looking at this per, at this crisis of
0: overprescription. But this is like and, a way – And it, these it,
1: doctors get 23 hours of
0: – I can't even believe it. And it's a way bigger issue because when you think about healthcare and the problems with healthcare and it not, people not having healthcare, then doctors are getting lower reimbursements for the 14 years of school. And then they have pa- – so they want to see more patients. So then they see – instead of seeing 10 patients a day, they see 30 patients a day. Yes. And they see 30 patients a day, they're seeing you for 10 minutes. Yeah. And they're going, you have this symptom, here's this prescription, see you later. Yeah. I'm gonna get reimbursed, I'm gonna fix your problem real quick. This
1: is such a bad system. It's a horrible system.
0: So, you know, whenever you can, like I always try to have clients look for functional MDs mm-hmm. because a functional medicine you know, practitioner or doctor. These are MDs or DOs that go to school and then spend an extra year in fellowship to become a functional mm-hmm. MD. And what they're looking for are the root causes.
1: Yeah. I just saw a functional medicine doctor here. I mean, I grew up in LA, mm-hmm. but I moved out of the state at 21 to work and ha- and didn't come back here really regularly for, I don't know, 14, 15 years essentially. And so I've never really had a doctor here, and I've been looking forever, and I, like, go to an appointment. I don't like this person, and I go to an appointment, I'm like, I don't like their vibe, or I feel rushed or whatever. And I just – I I got a functional MD recommended to me, and I went to my first appointment. I was in his office for two and a half hours.
0: That's what I mean. And
1: I cried, like, four times.
0: And I, I wonder if it's mine. It, it – it was like the most – We can't say his name because then everyone will go to him. Everyone
1: will go. Well, we'll. Talk, I mean, if it's – If it's the same, we'll talk about it. But I did tell him I wanted to bring him on the podcast because it's like truly so insanely amazing to me. But I – Well,
0: then if, you, if you're going to bring him on the podcast, then you can say his name.
1: It's Dr. Lekos.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's my person. Uh, he is –
1: A game changer. I feel more empowered about my health than I ever have before because I had an actual well-rounded conversation with a doctor who asked me about nutrition and sleep and stress and trauma and relationships and therapy. And if I have a spiritual practice, do I meditate? Like it it was so next level incredible. And I just thought to myself, every single human deserves this. We have to fix the system. Yeah, no, We have to, to advocate differently. Exactly. For medicine, for education, for schools, for our kids, you know? It's it's like a wild thing. Yeah. How did going through pregnancy and now being a new mom, how does that affect your relationship to all of this, to food, to your practice, to your body?
0: Being a mom makes you really efficient and it makes you it, it really makes you decisive. You Mm. want to do something or you don't want to do something. Because if you want to do something, that's taking time away from your your children. Mm. And you have to really want it. And so it makes you very clear, which Mm. I love. When it comes to my body and my relationship with health, now more than ever, it really, really isn't about what I look like on the outside. It really, really is about being a vibrant, you know, fun mom. Like I'm fueling to – have energy for Bash. Mm. Like I'm fueling to, to create a business that, co- you know, creates change in the world to be an example for Bash, mm. to show him that I can – you can be whatever you want if you have passion, you have purpose, and you and you have drive. Yeah, And it slows you down too. Like mm-hmm. there are nap schedules and there are feeding schedules that you have to <laughs> abide by. And so – it just it really it makes you wanna create a home and it makes you really wanna put as much nutrition into yourself and into your child as you ever could. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It really is, and it creates so much empathy. I mean, at least for me personally, mm-hmm. with how Sebastian was born and what we went through in the beginning. I'm just really empathetic to what other people are going through.
1: Yeah. And that experience, I mean, going through as as you called it, and I believe it is a term when you go through a traumatic birth, right? Like that's a thing that a doctor would call it. Mm -hmm. How does that play into those feelings of kind of pressure and performance? Because as a, as this wellness expert, as this holistic person, you were telling me that, you know, there's this sort of expectation out there that you're going to have this like home birth and have like candles burning and be oming and like never yell while you're pushing out a baby, which is insanity. You know, like there, there, there is sort of this unrealistic expectation in the same way that we all have these unrealistic expectations of our bodies or whatever sort of dysmorphia, you know, the world is plagued by. There's a bit of like, or a lot, of mom dysmorphia out there. And how do you choose what to share? How do you choose what to talk about outside of, you know, rooms full of your friends?
0: Yeah. It it's like everything when when you have a platform, it's mm. you dip your toe in the water and you see how it feels. Mm. Like how much backlash are you getting for your choices cuz I'm not here to pull my the audience of like how should I be parenting and raising my child and no. is it any of their business but you know what I've chosen to have a social platform so it becomes sort of their business and they can say what they want and there are trolls and but what really matters is how Chris and I feel about raising our son mm-hmm. and we did have a very traumatic birth so for us all of I think I want to say the little things that really cause a, a new mom to feel stressed out or unworthy or anxious, we we don't really have those experiences. Like I don't care when Bash learns to walk. He'll go to kindergarten walking. Mm. You know, he'll get there. And mm-hmm. it isn't – we're not a pressure cooker on his milestones because he's alive and he's healthy. Right. And we had a moment where he might not have been. Mm. And so we have this perspective that so many people don't have Mm -hmm. as new parents. And then the world is telling you, you need this gadget and that gadget, and you need to be going to this type of curriculum preschool. And by the way, Bash is eight months old. And here in LA, I should be on preschool tours right now. I'm like, wait a second. I don't know where I'm going to be in two years from now and what I'll want then. you know. But learn a little bit, educate yourself. But Everyone needs to have their own opinions and experiences and how someone feels about something. It's empathy. We talked mm-hmm. about this. like whatever you want to do with your child and your family, that's your business and I don't need to have an opinion about it.
1: Mm. It's
0: like watching mm-hmm. other people live their lives instead of judging it. Yeah. You know? So it is, I think when you go through that trauma and, or for us – the judgment's gone. It's just like, Hey, you don't want to sleep your, train right. your child and you want to be co-sleeping in the bed until they're two. Like that's none of my business. Yeah. If I, I mean, sleep training is the worst. You're like, okay, <laughs> I changed my mind. Bash is in bed with us. And my right. husband's like, I thought we were going to like train him to sleep. They're like, I need to sleep today. And I'm like, no, I just want to cuddle. You know, yeah. it's like they're, they're, it's the most, hum- being a mom is the most humbling. and experience. You yeah. just you they're they're little teachers and they're mm. constantly teaching you. And I feel like I'm growing every single day with him. Yeah. So
1: and I think it's so important that women and parents in general let themselves up off the mat a little bit. It's like it doesn't all have to be so one way or the other, so rigid. Like you don't have to meet other people's expectations to your point. You know, I've watched some of my friends really struggle with some of that. And then watch them have these beautiful moments of freedom where, th- where they sort of shrug off an expectation. And I'm like, there you are. Yay. You deserve it. You know, and, and you can't tell anybody anything. But I think, isn't it always so clear for us? Like when we see people we love, we see how magnificent they are. It's always so clear. But when you're in it, yeah. sometimes you're struggling. And it's it's a wild thing to watch the way that there's been so much social conditioning that makes new moms Struggle when I'm like, you guys are superheroes, and literally all you need, all you deserve in every single moment is support. Yeah. And like, if you change your mind, if you're if you're sleep training, and then the baby's in the bed, like,
0: literally, you made a human. Who cares? Yeah, I think you're amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. about being able to pivot, and that's mm-hmm. where I think, like, even <laughs> even when people sort of back to diets, like if you if you're marrying your diet or your you're acting like it's your religion or it's this really strong thing in your life that you can't deviate from mm-hmm. that's going to cause a lot of pain
1: because mm-hmm. you're going to have
0: to hide when you want to deviate or you don't feel great and it's the same with being a mom like it's a lot easier if you can just get on board with pivoting when you need to pivot mm-hmm. instead of trying to defend something that isn't making you feel good that isn't good for your family that isn't good for your child mm-hmm. it's like i've had so many clients do keto or paleo or be you know be vegetarian or vegan and they've talked about it so much that that's the way they're going to do it and that it becomes almost like part of the their persona that it's so hard for them to break it or to to, to change their mind because they've built it up and talked about it in social media as this layer of like now even people I'm not even friends with know that I eat this way or mm. drink this smoothie or it's do this like, but thing. what if it doesn't like,
1: actually make you feel good
0: and that's the thing you <sighs> yeah. have to be able it start it needs to start being okay for us to pivot. Yeah. to change our mind. Mm-hmm. Because when you're little, you get to change your mind all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, let's protect our children's innocence. Let's protect their ability to change their mind yeah. because that's how we grow. Like, if you learn something new and you don't change your mind or you don't change your opinion about something mm-hmm. because you've stood up for one thing for so long, like, I think it's just ignorance.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think people get, to your point, so scared to deviate. And I think – we see that in politics, and we see that in faith politics, and we see that in all these spaces. And it's like it's okay to learn something and change your mind. Yeah. It's okay to say, "I really believed this, and now I see it from another person's perspective." And I still am going to make the decisions I would make, but I respect that this person's going to make a different decision. Like, oh my god, can you imagine if if we gave such permission to the world? It would be so nice, It'd
0: be a beautiful place. Yeah, yeah.
1: So. One of the things I do think it's so important to acknowledge because the world of health and wellness can often feel really exclusionary based on privilege and economics. And and I do think one of the things I love so much about your book is that anybody can apply those lessons, whether they're on the strictest food budget – Or they've got cash to burn because as you mentioned, like you recommend certain kinds of frozen vegetables and things that are really affordable and like can go into those smoothies and can start to change in diets. But when we talk about how lucky we've been to see somebody like a Dr. Lekos, he's really financially unattainable for a lot of people, like hundreds of of dollars for a first session that are not covered by insurance isn't something everyone's lucky enough to be able to do. And I do want to just... Acknowledge that. So, my curiosity as we're celebrating, you know, functional medicine is where are the accessible entry points to functional medicine for people who are f- trying to figure out how to afford taking care of themselves in the best way?
0: Well, there's a great company that started in New York called Parsley Health, mm-hmm. and it's a membership based program mm-hmm. where you pay monthly and they do take insurance and they offer health coaching and they offer MDs and they do a lot of functional medicine type testing where they're doing stool test analysis, hormone analysis, mm-hmm. um, a regular, you know, full panel blood test, and that is you know, is a great attainable way for people Mm -hmm. who want to see a functional MD or, you know, learn more about their body and like the root cause of maybe what's going on Mm -hmm. at a more affordable price.
1: That's awesome. And I think that that's so important because we have a lot of work to do, obviously, with our healthcare system, but health should not feel like an unattainable place to get to for people we sh- we should feel like we have touch points and parsley seems like a great resource and if someone's in a space where perhaps a parsley health is not available to them what would you recommend as questions to ask their doctor because i know that i've certainly been in the space where I've needed something and you know I've looked at my health plan and I've like I I tore something in my hip doing stunts at work a couple of years ago total nightmare not the point but I called a specialist and they were like well, unless you've gone to your GP, gotten a referral, the specialist won't be covered by insurance and then the price is going to be insane. And I was like, well, this is a pain in the ass. Nobody told me that. So I had to make an appointment with my GP to then get the referral, to go to the specialist, to then have the specialist refer me to the the MRI, which had to be approved. And it's this very drawn out process. Mm -hmm. But I feel like at least if you know the process, you can manage going through it. So if someone has a GP that they like, or even maybe don't like all that much, but that's who they can go see. Mm -hmm. What are the questions they should ask that general practitioner to then be recommended or referred for some of the tests we're talking about for a full blood panel, a hormone analysis, a a stool analyzing test, things that will tell them what's going on in their body.
0: So unfortunately, like, A stool test is not super common unless you're seeing a gastro for some type of Mm. gut issue. And a lot of times it's functional MDs that are doing that. Gastros a lot of times are doing colonoscopies and endoscopies. Mm -hmm. And they're using cameras to kind of see if there's any physical issues going on. Got it. They also do – gastros do do breath tests. So one thing like SIBO is sort of common – uh, it's um, that's some, a
1: bacterial infection. Yeah,
0: right? yeah. It's a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, mm. and that can cause major bloating. And that's something that if you are dealing with major pain, hard bloating, I would ask your general practitioner to refer you to a gastro and I'd get a breath test mm-hmm. to see if you have that. Breath test can also let you know if you have a lactose intolerance or fructose intolerance. Oh, wow, that's kind of cool. Whenever I see, whenever anyone sees their OBGYN or their GYN of female health, You know, if you're a female, I always like to get a full blood panel because a lot of times a lot of people aren't seeing their general practitioners. Mm-hmm. So I'll say if I have a client who just goes to their gyno once a year, I'd say, do ask your gyno to run a metabolic panel on you to you know, get your cholesterol tested, maybe get C-reactive protein, mm-hmm. add that to your blood test because if they're taking blood to just do your general panel, they can add metabolic health markers as well. Mm. And that's important to look for.
1: And those are things that you can request if you know to request them.
0: Yeah, like if you want to know a little bit of, you know, you can get all of your cholesterol, you can get a cholesterol panel. Mm -hmm. Just get your cholesterol. If you want to do... You can get your A1C, which will tell you your average blood sugar. Mm. Um, you and can, what does that do?
1: Like, if you find out what your A1C is.
0: That'll tell you if you're pre diabetic. Got it. Yeah. And then, and that'll give you an idea if you're eating too much processed foods and you're eating too much sugar because mm. it shows up. In your blood, and you're able to see, like, oh, maybe they're not making really healthy choices, or maybe they have some insulin resistance going on, a little bit of a metabolic issue there, and how can we work to bring that down? And that's really important because if you have chronically elevated blood sugar, Mm -hmm. you're increasing your chances for Alzheimer's, diabetes, you know, you might potentially have an issue with polycystic ovarian syndrome. There's a lot of, like, you know, there are a lot of issues from chronically elevated blood sugar because Mm -hmm. it's causing inflammation throughout your whole body. And inflammation is the start of all disease.
1: Got it. Well, the title of the podcast is called Work in Progress because I think we all are. And I know from personal experience and the experience of so many of the incredible people I get to sit across from that we all feel like we can look through screens and everyone else has everything figured out but then you sit with people. I'll never forget hearing Oprah say that no matter who she interviewed, whether it was a president of the United States or like the world's most successful singer, the minute the interview was done, they'd lean in and go, did I do okay? Because they wanted to make sure they had done a good job on Oprah, you know? And, And so I realized that like, we're all just trying to figure it out. Nobody ever has it figured out. You know, we're constantly evolving if we're lucky enough to age. So what in your life whether it's personal or professional or something for the world what feels like a work in progress to you right now
0: other than maybe like sleep everything <laughs> no no i would say like i feel like i want to say everything like i'm a i'm a small business entrepreneur and as my mm-hmm. business grows i have to continue to learn and i mm-hmm. have to continue to to change and grow with it and there are times when i try to treat my business the same way where I need to hire someone and I need to up level and I need to have like a bookkeeper and an attorney now. And I can't just be scrappy because that's my reputation and I need to take it a little bit more seriously as Mm -hmm. I evolve. And and I think the same is going to go with my family. And I'm seeing that and feeling that right now. Like Mm -hmm. I can talk all day long about meal prepping and like always making your smoothie. And then you become a new mom and you're like, what time is it? How can I not make my own smoothie? Like how can I get not get this mm-hmm. done? And so I think as bash grows, our family is going to continue to grow and mm-hmm. I'm you can't be prepared for something you haven't gone through. So mm-hmm. I'm like a constant work in progress.
1: Yeah, you don't know what you don't know.
0: And just like finding those new tools and trying to create those triggers to help create that balance and that foundation of wellness in our family is mm. really what I continually try to do. It's like how can we automate something or how can we have those triggers that really support us to to live a healthy balanced life.
1: Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing. And thanks for all the info and and guys, we're going to make sure that on our platforms this week we link you to Kelly's book. It's so informative will make you feel less crazy and actually teach you the science of how your body works instead of tell you to deprive yourself of things that you don't need to be deprived of so yeah. <laughs> let's start a little revolution in how we take care of ourselves you know yeah yeah thanks thanks this show is executive produced by me Sophia Bush and Sim Sarna our supervising producer is Allison Bresnick. our associate producer is Caitlin Lee our editors are Josh Windish and Matt Sasaki. And our music was written by Jack Garrett and produced by Mark Foster. This show is brought to you by Carillion Anatomy.